you would open your Bibles to the book of First Peter chapter 4, and we are going to read verses 4 through, or 7 through 11, 1 Peter chapter 4. Praise the name of the Lord. going to just go to kids dome today amen <laughs> praise the name of the lord first peter chapter 4 verse 7 when you got it say so. so and it says but the end of all things is at hand therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers and above all things have fervent love for one another for love covers a multitude of sins be hospitable one to another without grumbling as each one has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the, the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for your word that is truth today. We thank you for your presence that is here. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you are doing in our midst. I thank you, Lord, for visiting us. I thank you, Lord, for filling us in this place. And right now, I just pray, Spirit of God, that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. I pray that we would be attentive hearers, but that we would not be idle and only hear. But, Lord God, that we would be faithful respondents and doers of your word. I pray that we would respond to you in faith and in obedience and repentance, Lord God, and hope in you. And I just ask you, Lord God, that you would captivate our hearts today by your word, which is true. May you be glorified in us. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand. We want to make sure that you get an outline so you can take some notes. Um, just keep your hand up if you don't have an outline so the ushers can get, 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 get you one. Um, as, I, as I encourage you weekly, these outlines are good for a couple of things. First of all, you can follow along with me in the intro of the message, and that's important for you. And not only that, but you can also answer the questions that are within the outline, which is very important for us to be able to grow in our faith. And the third thing that I always encourage is that it is important for you to be a disciple maker. It is important for you not to just be someone who just hears the word of God for yourself. It is, not, it is important for you not to be a person who just receives, but you should also be giving, right? And so all of us are called to make disciples, and sometimes we don't know exactly how it is I'm supposed to make a disciple. And so obviously you win someone to Jesus, or you help, and, or not or, but you also can help someone grow in their faith. And so one of the ways you can do that is you simply take what you are receiving here on Sundays, sit down with someone for lunch once, you know, once a week, and just kind of help them walk through what you've been learning, and that's the way that you can help them grow. The same way you're growing as a disciple, you can assist them. And so today we are continuing on in our core four series. This is actually the 15th message in this series. And remember, we dealt with the first four in loving God, and then we dealt with the growing together and the reaching others. And so now we are in the last two of our serving portion. And so today, we're going to talk about gift, gifted to serve. And so without question, if you look at your outline here, we are living in the last days. The return of Jesus is nearer than ever before. We see sin, rebellion towards God, and irreverence for God's law is on the rise. Deception is commonplace, and the only hope for humanity is the grace of God manifested through the gospel and has been entrusted to the church. And so what we realize is that when, when Peter is writing this, obviously a long time ago, he is talking about what? Look at verse 7 here. He says, but the end of all things is at hand, right? And so what is he pointing to. He's talking about the end of, of, of the world as we know it. He's talking about the time when, um, 
when all of these, uh, these latter-day prophecies are going to be fulfilled. And I love what he communicates here because he says the end of all things that is at hand. He says, it is, so he tells them to be fearful. That isn't what he says. He says them to go run and hide under a rock. That isn't what he says. But he tells them to do what? He says, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And so he communicates to them. He says, listen, the end of all things is at hand. He says, but we need to be serious. We need to be watchful in our prayers. It's not time to play games, right? It's not, it's not time for us to just come to church and just go through the motions, but we need a serious people of God, a people who are serious about the word of God, a people who are serious about the things of God, a people who take serious the commands and who are looking forward to the prophecies that are to be fulfilled. Amen? As, as Pastor Chad led us through communion today, he always does this. Can you lower me a little bit? I feel like I'm like yelling really loud and I want to yell, but I, I, I don't want to yell too loud. So lower me so I can yell. Amen. So ultimately, <laughs> glory to God. I just lay it out there. Amen. So, you know, ultimately what we have here is, um, you know, Pastor Chad, he leads us in communion. And when he leads us in communion, I love the fact that he walks us through, you know, sin, salvation, and our ultimate, you know, salvation in the future tense, looking forward to when all the culmination of everything, when our redemption will be completed at the time that we look forward. And when he's talking about being serious in prayer here, it aligns with what Pastor Chad goes through weekly. It is a looking forward that we are serious and that we realize that there are going to be persecution that is going to rise up, that there are going to be things that are going to happen. Don't think that you're just going to be able to just check out at some point. You're going to go through some hardship. Hello. And so we need to be serious, right? We need to be watchful in our prayers. And so we're living in a time that is surely, I mean, we do see sin. We do see ignorance. Hello. We see rebellion. We see this irreverence and, and, and this irreverence toward God's law that's on the rise. And deception is commonplace. Let me touch on that for a moment. When I say here deception is commonplace, there is so much deception going on within the church. If you evangelize and you're sharing the gospel with people, if you're out there, you're just being a real, you know, disciple of Jesus, and as you're trying to share with folks, I promise you, you're going to come across some people who have this question like, what church should I go to? You know, what should I believe? And the reason for that is because there is so much deception going on. I was talking with someone today about a person that, you know, we're praying for. We've been praying for this person for a long time to come back to Christ, for this person to come back to the Lord. They've only visited here um, to help us with some other stuff. But this person has experienced such bad stuff growing up as a child in church that they don't want anything to do with church. There's confusion as to what's true and what's not. And so those are the days that we live in. That's the reason why we need to be serious and we need to be watchful in prayer so that way we're not duped. Hello. So that way we're not deceived, so that way people aren't able to just tell us whatever and we just believe, yes, that's the gospel. No, no, no. We need to make sure that we are hearing the truth and that we are living for the glory and honor of God. Second paragraph in your outline. We live in a time where there should be no question as to the desperate need there is for the manifested power of God. Can anyone say amen to that? Listen, we are living in a day that we need the power of God. I, I want you to know something. All of the knowledge in the world is not going to change the hearts of men. All of your doctrinal truth that you have, like, like you got it on lock, like you know doctrine, you know, teaching, for those of you who don't know that word, but you know, the, you know, the real deep people, they knew what doctrine was. They're like, yeah, I'm doctrinally deep. Glory to God. They got the, the two Ds, doctrinally deep, amen, you know. And so, you know, for those of us that got, listen, doctrine is important. Amen, somebody? Because that's, if you don't believe doctrine is important, then you don't need to even read the Bible. Hello. Because that's what the Bible is. The Bible is doctrine. It is teaching. But here's the thing that I want you to know. You can have all your doctrine down and still lack the power of God. You can know all the right answers to all the right questions and all of that stuff, and that does not mean that you have the power of God that is needed in our day. And I want you to know we need the power of God, that when we open our mouth with the doctrine of God, that it is backed by the power of God. We need the manifested power of God today more than ever. The reason why there's so much deception is because of what? It's because people are so puffed up in their knowledge. They're so puffed up in what they know, and, and they're not worried about what? The power of God that should accompany what? The word of God. See, there's, there's people that have a form of godliness. I think it's first or second, second, second Timothy. There are people that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Hello, somebody. They deny the power. What is that power? That power is a changed life. Hello. 
That power is a life that is like, look, I'm not just going to church. I don't just read the Bible, but the Bible is taking root in my heart. I am part of, you know, what God is doing, and God is working in me. He is doing things in me. He is changing my life, right? That, that's what's supposed to be happening in us, and so we need the power of God. As stated in the last message that we went through here, and here's in your outline again, we have all been gifted, i.e., we have all received a spiritual gift. Everyone as we read in this scripture here, we have all received a spiritual gift. There's no one who doesn't have a spiritual gift. And what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a God-given ability to serve God and other Christians in such a way that Christ is glorified and believers are edified. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's something that you have received from God Almighty and everyone, say everyone. I want to drive this home as I've tried through throughout this whole message. Everyone in the church is gifted. There is no person that is sitting in here. Now, I said this last week. I'll say it again this week. You may not know what your gift is, and that's okay. But that does not mean that you are not gifted. Amen? We are all gifted to serve somewhere because God doesn't want anyone who is just a bench warmer. There's no, there's no room for bench warmers in the kingdom of God. There's no room for spectators in the kingdom of God. We need people who are what? Who are empowered by the Spirit and who are serving based upon the gifts that God has given them. Third paragraph here. As we recognize the hour we are living in, pursuing the love of God, which is what, what, what the apostle uh, Peter says here in verse 6. He says, and above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sin, right? And as we're pursuing the love of God to fill our hearts... And submitting our lives to the service of the Lord based upon how God has spiritually gifted us, we will be the church God can use to continue his mission. So as we are a people who are serious in prayer, as we are a people who are watchful in prayer, as we are a people who are fervently seeking after God and the love of God is, is, is exuding and overflowing our hearts, then we will serve him based upon our gifts. And then what happens is we're the church that God wants to use. We are, and, I, and, I, and listen, Faith Dome is not the only church and I don't ever want that to ever be a thought because that never crosses my mind. It just happens to be the place where God has allowed me to preach and I thank God for that. But here's what I want you to know is that Everybody who's part of the body of Christ needs to apply these scriptures to their life and that way they can live and they can be part of that church that God wants to use to fulfill his purposes in this earth. So here's the big idea that I want you to get for the day. I always try to give you one big idea and this is what I want you to get for the day. And it is our significance in God's kingdom is rooted in his image upon us and his gifts within us. Our significance in God's kingdom is rooted in his image upon us and his gifts within us. Every one of us has significance. And many of us, as I, as I was writing that, writing that down and just thinking about it, there's, a, there's some people that don't realize their significance. There's some people that have been so beat up in life that they don't realize that they have significance. And what I want you to realize is that your significance is not tied to how much money you make. Your significance is not tied to the car that you drive. Your blessing is not tied to the house you live in or the clothes you wear or anything like that. Your blessing is tied to what? It is tied to the one who died on the cross for you. And that one gave you an identity. And the reason why we are a people, and I don't even want to say this because, you know, y'all get politically minded and when I say stuff like this, but, you know, some of y'all anyway. You know, the reason why I would say pro-life, you know why we're like that? Why everybody on the planet should be pro-life is because every person from, from conception, hello somebody, to, to elderly, right, all, all in between that spectrum, you know, people with disabilities, what, whatever it is, every one of us has been marked from the womb with the image of God. And the reason we should care about life is because we are caring about the image of God that gives us all significance. And that wasn't a political throw. That's just telling what we should be. Everybody should care about life. And, I, and listen, let me say it like this. It's not just, you know, the, the poor and the homeless and the hurting. It is also those conceived. Hello, somebody. It is all of those. And so we need to make sure that we see why. Well, where, where do we get our significance? We get it from the, the image of God that is upon us all and also in the kingdom by the gifts that God gives us. Why? Because he gives us these gifts so that way we can do what? So we can encourage, so we can build, so we can strengthen one another, and we can be all that God calls us to be. So all of us have significance. Amen? Amen. First thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we have been categorically gifted to serve. We have been categorically gifted to serve. And so you can write these, 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 um, these um, scriptures down really quickly. Romans chapter 12, 
Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at that one in a moment. And then obviously 1 Peter chapter 4 where we are. These are the four areas in the New Testament that are outlines or listings of the different gifts of the Spirit that we have been given. And when you look at all of these lists, three of these lists were written by who? They were written by the Apostle Paul. That was in the book of Romans, the book of Ephesians, and the book of 1 Corinthians. Those are all written by the same guy. And for some reason, when he was writing out the list to each different church there, he didn't write down identical, identical lists. He points out different things in each list. And then 1 Peter chapter 4 is a different apostle. And as he is writing about us being gifted, he communicates something to us. So if we look here, he says this in verse 10. He says, as each one, say each one. And so again, I want to point out, all of us have been gifted. So as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so each of us, right, we, we, Peter, he seems to more, more, more categorically, it's a more of a categorical summation of the spiritual gifts than an exhaustive list. Because what does he say in verse 11? He says this. He, he says in verse 10, we've all been gifted, and so we're supposed to use those to serve one another. And verse 11, he goes, on and says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And then the second thing he says, if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so he gives two things here. He gives those who are speaking and those who are ministering. And so the way that I see this is to be sure we can break down the gifts into more groups or categories. Um, we do it We do it in our, in our nine-week series. Pastor Aldo teaches that on the gifts of the Spirit. So we go for nine weeks, and we break this thing down to like five different categories of gifts and things like that. Do you remember the number? There you go. Amen. So there you go. He just broke it down for you right there. Um, but so you said 20, how many? 20, 24? So 25. So there's like 25, you know, lists that are there, right? So we have these different spiritual gifts that are there. So we can break, we can go down and we can break them down like, like that. Or for simplicity's sake, we can say that there's two categories of gifts. They're the ones that are going to be utilized to speak and they're going to be the ones that are utilized to do stuff. In those two categories, we can break that down. We can look at it from that perspective and we can understand that you have either been gifted in the, in, in the area to serve vocally, amen, or you've been gifted to serve in the area of action. And so here's what I want you to realize. Vocal service must be done in reverence before God, accuracy, and urgency unto men. And action service must be done according to God's God-given ability and endurance. Let me say that again. Vocal service must be done in reverence for God. Look what he says in verse 11. He says, if anyone speaks... So if you, have, if you have been given the gift, right, to speak, and we're going to look at some of these gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but if you have been given a call to speak before people, all right, is I'm not talking about you'd like to hear yourself talk. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you've been given a gift to talk. There's some people, they just like to talk. They're not necessarily gifted to speak. Maybe they are. They just haven't controlled that yet. But here's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm talking about you've been gifted to speak, he says to you. If you have been gifted to speak, if you've been given this gift to be one who is going to speak to people on God's behalf, what does he say here? He says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, I want to pause for a moment because I want you to understand something. There is something here that should, that, that if you are called to speak, one of the things that I, that I am so, I mean, seriously, all jokes aside, when it comes time for me to prepare to preach, when it comes time when I'm praying for someone and I may feel like the Lord is speaking through me or something like that, it is, it is so for me. I mean, I don't, I don't play with that stuff. Like, I am very serious. When it comes to me preaching the Bible, I want to make sure that I am accurately communicating what God says, not what I think. Now listen, I want to say something as, as an aside. I am not perfect. Hello, somebody. Okay? And I, and I fall short. I do my best to study. I do my best to, my best to dig in and make sure that I am communicating the truth of God's word. But I do not hold myself as though I am infallible because there is only one who is infallible. That is God himself. And he has given us his word that is infallible. That's the truth. 
But the thing is, when I get up to speak to you, I don't do this lightly. I don't just, you know, oh, man, you know, whatever. There's plenty of times before I was full-time, and even now that I'm full-time, there's sometimes that I'm laboring over what I'm going to communicate even late into the night while I'm laying there in the bed next to my wife and I'm thinking about what is what, what I'm going to preach the next day and what I'm going to communicate. I don't just, you know, go ahead because this is the way I do it. Thursday's the day that I really prepare everything and get everything ready. I email uh, Minister Lewis and that way he has all that outlined to, you know, get stuff ready for you guys to be able to see on Sunday. Email it over to John um, and that way they can print stuff out. But the message doesn't end there for me. Right? Because it's not like, oh, well, I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to walk and not, not think about that. No, because there has to be an urgency. There has to be a fear and trembling in my heart because I am representing God. And if I'm speaking, I'm supposed to be speaking as though I'm speaking the oracles of God, the very words of God, because I'm God's representative. And so why am I pointing to me? Because I'm the one speaking right now. But it's not about me. I'm talking about anybody in here. If you believe that you have been given a gift to speak, you need to do that with reverence before God. You don't need to just be like, well, I'm the preacher. No, no, no. You need to shut up. If that's how you feel, you need to sit down somewhere until you can understand. I am an unworthy servant. Until you have the Isaiah moment, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. Until you come to that place of brokenness, you have no business speaking on God's behalf. I don't care what your degree says. I don't care. Until you come to that place that you realize that you ain't all that. Hello. The oracles of God. I've been entrusted to speak on his behalf. So when I open my mouth, number one, it needs to be reverent before him. Number two, I need to sense an urgency in my heart for those who I'm speaking to. See, because I need to be, in, in, again, serious, watchful in prayer. And as I'm getting ready to speak, I realize when I go out there. That's why I tell everyone, listen, I thank God for Minister Ricky. I thank God for Pastor Chad and the evangelism team. I thank God for what they do and how they lead. Glory to God. Give them a hand. Amen. I, I appreciate that. But I've said this before. Listen, whether you go with them to Church Street, whether you go with them to Crane's Roost, whether you go with them to Walmart or wherever they go, amen, you know, where, where, whether you go with them wherever, you are part of the evangelism team. Team. Amen? You don't have to go. I'm, you should go with them if you can. You'll grow and you'll learn. But here's what I'm saying. The moment you walk out of this place, you are being sent as an evangelist into a world that needs to hear the gospel. And so we are, if you've been given this vocal gift, right, you need to speak. And there needs to be an urgency in your heart to communicate. And then the second thing is what? He says this. He says, if anyone ministers or anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability with which God supplies. And so the second thing is action, action service must be done according to God-given ability and endurance. And so I serve based upon how God has made me able I serve based upon what God, God has enabled me to do. And then here's the other thing that I do. Not only do I serve based upon how he's enabled me to do it, I continue to serve because he strengthens me to serve. Are you hearing me? D.L. Moody, he's an old-time preacher, and he said something, and I heard, I heard him quoted, and he said this. He said that it's okay to be weary in the work as long as you're not wearied of the work. In other words... It's okay to be tired serving as long as you're not tired of serving. And can I tell you something? I told you this before. I'll say it again. The reason why we get tired of serving many times is because we're not serious and watchful in prayer. That's what happens. Listen, I've been, I've been a Christian for a few years. Amen? I've been serving for a few years. You know, this year we're going to celebrate 14 years here. And I've told you this. Listen, and I want to let you all know I'm not thinking about quitting. Amen? Maybe tomorrow. I have people be like, Bishop, don't quit. I'm like, I'm not quitting. You know, I, told, I, told, <laughs> I appreciate that though, right? Because I'm sharing my heart and I'm saying, look, man, there's plenty of days that I'm like, I come out off the pulpit or whatever. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to go home and just call it a day. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm retiring. You know, I mean, I, you know, I wake up Monday morning. I'm, you know, I can't talk. My voice is messed up because I'm yelling glory to God. And I'm like, man, Lord, is this the call? You know, I mean, I, and I wrestled, you know, I wrestled, I, I wrestled, you know, in the beginning of ministry, you know, I wrestled with like, man, you know, is this, is, is this what I'm called to do? And then I was like, I know I'm called to preach. Maybe I should just travel and preach. And, you know, I, I struggled with all that stuff. And can I tell you something? I got through all of those struggles, right? But I have moments in my life just like everyone else should have because I am working in the ministry, right? I'm serving that I get tired, 
right? And it's okay to be tired. It's all right to be tired. It's okay because you know what? At the end of the day, let me tell you something. You want to go to heaven tired, not all strong. You hear me? Like you don't want to go before Jesus doing backflips. Be like, yo, I've been waiting for this day. He's going to be like, what were you doing on earth? You should come. Listen, you should make it to heaven like crawling up them stairs like, glory to God, I made it. Amen. Like, like I mean, you're just, you're, you're just like, you are worn out. I mean, that's how we should be, right? In the work of the Lord, like seriously, giving it everything we have, every moment that we have. That's why I love, I read the book, Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper, an amazing book. You should read the book. I mean, he just, you know, he, he really, he really, and, and listen, forgive me for any of y'all that are like near retirement age. You're like, yes, I'm getting ready to retire. I'm going to go play golf. I know, you know, John, he loves golf. He's like thinking about retirement. You you can play a lot of golf. You just can't retire, like, completely. It just doesn't happen. Like, where in the Bible does it say, okay, and they retired? It doesn't. It never says that. It's like they served God, they died. Like, that's what happened. That's, there's no other, I mean, that's, that's what occurred. They served God, and they died. It's just, there wasn't, like, a period where they were just chilling. Like, they served all of their years, and then God said, all right, just chill. What? No. Now, do you slow down? Yes. The elders, right? If you read the Old Testament, I'll give you an example. We'll move on to the next point. But in the Old Testament, the Levites, they served up until they were 50. After they were 50, they weren't allowed to serve in the temple anymore. But where did they go? They went to the gates of the city as elders to do what? To minister to the young bucks. To talk to those ones that thought they knew it all to encourage them, to build them up, to continue to minister unto their lives. So you don't retire, you transition. Amen. So you play golf a little bit. Go on your little boat stuff. Go do your, you know, your little vacations, right? You know, know. we're going to do some nice vacations, you know, once, I can't even say retired, right? But once, once whatever happens, right? We're going to do some vacation, right, when, when the transition takes place. But until that time, and even after that time, I mean, I love, I mean, I thank God for my wife's uncle, Dr. Eliu Camacho. He's come, he's come here a couple of times. How old is your uncle? Like 70 maybe, close, close to there, 65? He's, he, he, he's, he, he's, he's pretty, he's, he's, he's up there. I'm not going to say old. I don't want to offend people. But he's older. And let me tell you something. And let me tell you something, y'all. I'm going to bring him back, right? He's going to be like 72 coming to preach to y'all. And, and you're going to hear him preach. And he preaches with authority. He's, I mean, he, he'll do conferences for us. Right now he's working for Billy Graham Association. I mean, this is an example for me. Like, hey, glory to God, I got a bright future. Amen. We're going, to be, we're, we're going to work, but that's the heart, right? So we should want to serve. And so the last thing here, as we serve through our spiritual gifts, God is glorified. What does it say here? He says this. He continues on to say, he says, with, with the ability with which, with, with which God, God supplies. Now look, he says, that in all things, say all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so as we serve through our spiritual gifts, God is glorified and our brothers and sisters, that is the church, is edified. And here's what I want you to get. A built church is a strong church empowered by God to be an evangelistic light and disciple-making center. So what are we being built for? Remember I said it last week? We are being built for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is to bring people to Jesus and to help them grow in their faith. That's the work of the ministry. Bring people to Jesus, help them grow in their faith. That's it. Reach the lost, raise the living. That's what we do, and that's what we want to do. Second thing, ask you to repeat after me. Say, we have been strategically gifted to serve. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to go through 31 verses right now, and we're going to do this in five minutes. Amen. High speed. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. When you got it, say so. We have been strategically gifted to serve. Now here, we live in a time in which there is a lot of ignorance regarding spiritual gifts, which should not be the case. Look at chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So why did the Apostle Paul write this? It is because he wants to clear up any confusion. He wants to deal with any ignorance. He wants to address some stuff. So chapter 12, he deals with what? He deals with the gifts of the Spirit. And then chapter 13, he deals with what? He deals with love. And chapter 14, he deals with what? He deals with the operation of the gifts of the Spirit within the context of the local church. 
That's what he does because he wants to make sure that there is no ignorance regarding the gifts of the Spirit. The reason why I continue to reiterate that we have all been gifted is because there's some people that are ignorant to that fact. Either they've never been taught that or they just are ignoring that and they don't believe that, that they have been gifted for whatever reason. But here's what I want you to understand. There should not be ignorance about that. What I want you to realize, and as we're going to see here in chapter 12, God has strategically placed all of us in a in position based upon the gifts he has placed within us that will further his kingdom purpose upon the earth. Each of us has been gifted differently, uniquely, and placed in the body for the care and the building up of the body into the fully functioning church God intends us in extending his kingdom. Now, how do we know this? Let's look at verses 7 through 12. We're just going to read through here, and we'll stop at verse 11. Just want to point some things out. I'm not going to dig into this real deep here today. We have not weeks of teaching for that. But he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were, however you were led. I love that. He's so bold. These dumb idols. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts. Now, look at this. You're going to see the Trinity here. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, Jesus. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God, the Father, who works all things in all. And so we see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all what? They're unified in the, in, in the appointment and the, in, in the strategy of gifting us and placing us within the body. And verse 7 says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? For the profit of themselves. No. For the profit of all. For to one is given the word of, of, of wisdom through the Spirit, so that would be a speaking gift. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, that's another speaking gift. Another faith would be an action gift by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, that would be an action by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, action by the same Spirit. To another, prophecy, that's a speaking gift. To another, discerning of spirits, that would be action. To another, um, differing kinds of tongues, that's obviously speaking, hello, the tongue. Um, to another, the interpretation of tongues, again, speaking gift, but one and the same spirit works all things, say all things, distributing to each one, each one individually as he wills. And so how do we know that we have been strategically gifted to serve? The first thing we see in verses 1 through 11 there is we have each been gifted by the Holy Spirit. So he breaks down these gifts here. He goes through them. He goes through this list, and he's saying, hey, each one of you has received some kind of gift by the Spirit of the Lord. Let's look at verses 12 through 19. I told you we need to go through this quickly. Verse 12 says this, for, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members that are one body... Being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, and have all been given to drink into the same spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is, is it therefore not of the body? Or if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now, I want you to notice here as, we, as we're looking at these verses, what I want you to see first, here's the first thing. The first thing we see is that the body has been strategically put together, right? That's what the scripture says. The, the second thing I want you to realize here, the first issue that we come up with is people who say, I don't belong. You saw that? Because I'm not this, I don't belong. Hold on a second. Just because you're not that does not mean you don't belong. Amen? It just means that you may be trying to get in the wrong position. Hello? Like imagine you're trying to walk on your ear. Just, just, pick, just envision that for a moment, right? Like you're walking around like, you know, it's like you're crazy. You know, I mean, looking nuts, right? Like that's, that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to walk on your feet, Right? Or imagine you're trying to hear with your feet. One of the people, hey, say that again? You know, I mean, just, it's crazy, right? <laughs> Walking around, I mean, it, that'd be nasty, man. I'm just saying. Hey, speak up. I can't hear you, right? So ultimately, what we realize is the first issue is people who are saying, I don't belong. I'm not that. I don't have that gift, so I don't belong. And God says, no, you do belong. So let's continue on. Verse 17, he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? 
See, I know y'all just thought that. You're like, feet smelling, it's terrible. It is bad. But now God, look at this, say now God, has set the members, he set them, each one of them in the body, what? Just as he pleased. He sets the members just as he pleases. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where would the body be? So the first thing is, we've each been gifted by the Holy Spirit. The second one is that God set us in the body where he pleased. Let's look at verse 20 through 26. It says, but now indeed, he says, but now indeed, there are many members yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No much rather, but members of those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our our, our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffers with it. And, and Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, the first thing I said, the first issue I said was what? It was people saying that I don't fit, so I don't belong. Here's the second issue. The second issue is people thinking too much of themselves and telling people they don't belong. Saying, oh, well, you're not this, so you don't belong. You're not that, so you don't belong. You don't fit there because of this or whatever the reason is. That's the other issue that is there. And so the third thing that we see is God composed the body for honor perfectly. He wants what? He wants all of us to honor one another. He wants us to make sure that's our goal. Last thing here, verse 27, let's read through this. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administration, variety of tongues are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So what is he showing us here? God has appointed each of us in the church specifically, right? He goes through this list here, first apostles, second prophets, then teachers, and he goes through all of these different things, right? He goes through all of these different gifts. And what I love is that, you know, Paul is so awesome in his because he's asking a rhetorical question to the, to the people who are reading. It's not meant for you to answer. What he's saying is, no, not all are apostles. No, not all are prophets. No, not all speak with tongues. No, not all do this. He's, it's, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying that everybody is different. And just because you're not this doesn't mean you're not gifted. Just because you're not what you want to be doesn't mean you're not gifted the way God wants you to be. And that's what we have to grasp is this truth here. And so he shows us these gifts that are in operation. And listen, we believe firmly that these gifts are in operation for the edifying of the church. Amen? They're in operation until the day that Jesus returns for us and we go with him. Now, like I said, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 deals with how those gifts are supposed to operate. And we should look at that, not right now, but we should look at that to make sure that we are operating in God's order. Amen? Making sure that we are abiding by what the truth says. But these gifts are here for what? For the building up of the church, for the profit of all. And the last verse here, verse 31 says, he says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent, a more excellent way. And then he begins to lead the way into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where he talks about the pursuit of love. And since you're there, I just want you to look at, at chapter 14, verse 1. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Look what he says here. He says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, the only thing I want to point out, too, is the first two parts of that verse. He says to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. What the apostle is communicating here to us is he is letting us know what? He is saying, listen, you should, your pursuit, your passion, it should not be for spiritual gifts. It should be for the love of Christ. The focus should be the love of Christ because the reason why you'll use the gifts the wrong way is when you're not pursuing God's love, but you're pursuing God's gifts. When all you want is to, is to be used mightily, but you don't care about loving people, there's a problem. There's an issue. There's an issue when you are pursuing all of this power. And look, I said earlier, we need the power of God most definitely. But can I tell you where the power of God's going to flow from? As we're seeking the love of God. 
as we are pursuing God's love in our lives, as we are pursuing to be overtaken by his love. God gives each of us gifts which we, which, which we are to serve, and yet we must all be sure we are always seeking the greatest gift and motivation to serve using our gifts, and that is love. Third thing, ask you to repeat this after me. Say, we have been sovereignly gifted to serve. We have been sovereignly gifted to serve. Turn with me here to Ephesians chapter 2. We won't go through 30 verses here. We'll just go through 10. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, when you got it, say so. And it says this beginning in verse 1. It says, and you he made, I'm going to read through verses 1 through 10. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now look at this. For we, were, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what did I say? We have been sovereignly gifted to serve. And so what do these, what, what these verses tell us? Why, why are we here? It doesn't talk about gifts. No, it talks about what our gifts are supposed to be used for. Because what does he do in this text? What he does in this text, the Apostle Paul breaks down for us how we got saved, how we are children of God. It isn't because of our works, so obviously he's not talking about our works of salvation, is he? Hello? It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about works that accompany salvation. He's talking about us being dead in our trespasses, right? We walk through the gospel here weekly. And so we, he talks about us being dead in our trespasses and sin, that we are born into sin, right? That we are born dead. We're not born alive, spiritually speaking. We are born separated from God. And so because of that, what happens is as we grow, and we don't meet Jesus, you know, at, at a younger age, if we don't do that, then as we grow, we do what? We begin to sin willfully against God. And as we sin willfully against God, ultimately what happens is we are separated from God because of what? Because sin separates us from God. But what did Jesus do? Jesus comes. He dies for us so that way we don't have to suffer the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation from God in hell. We don't have to suffer living a life not knowing who we are, but we can do what? We can put our faith in Jesus, we can repent of our sin, and we can do what? We can grow in our new identity in Christ. We can live a life for the glory and for the honor of God, not because we are so good, not because we will it to be that way, but because God has sovereignly chosen us for that. And listen, God does that because he loves us, because he's good, because he's gracious, and because he's kind. But what he does is he not only saves us, this, this, is, this is the process, that, or this is what happens here. God saves us from our sins, fills us with his Holy Spirit, deposits gifts within us with the purpose of us growing in gratefulness for the gospel of grace. Now, here's the thing that should happen. When we read a text like this, when we go through this, and we start to see that we were dead in our trespasses, we were children of wrath, we were separated from God, and then we realize that while we were dead, God made us alive in Christ. Jesus. That should motivate gratefulness in our hearts. If you're not a believer in here, it should motivate you to put your faith in Jesus today. You should turn from your sin today. You should trust Jesus today and allow him to make you a new creation. But for us that are believers, it should encourage us that God reminds us of what he did for us because he is gracious and because he is good. And then what happens is the motivation of my heart is I don't want to serve God because I'm trying to earn something from him. I don't want to serve God because I'm trying to get him to give me something or to bless me with something. I serve God because he's already given me everything. 
I serve him because he has already poured out his love on me. He took my wrath upon himself so that way I could do what? So that way I could experience his love. He took my sin, my death, so I could have his life and his grace. That's the motivation of the gospel that's there. And then I realize that I've been gifted, and then what? We look at verse 10. Look at that verse 10 again. It says, for we are his workmanship. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Listen, he didn't prepare this like you got saved today, and he said, okay, now I'm going to make a plan for you. That isn't it. He prepared this beforehand. He prepared these things for you and I to walk in beforehand, sovereignly. He's gifted us so that, we, that way we can serve. See, here's the thing. The good, works that, the good works we do, our works of service, all point to the glory of God. Write this down, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, Jesus is talking, that's a Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking about letting our light shine before men so that way they can do what? So our good works bring glory to God our Father. All of our good works, hear me, hear me when I say this, all of our good works point to God. And here's what I want you to get. If you do not serve, you do not afford God the opportunity to be glorified in you. Did you hear that? If you do not serve, you do not afford God the opportunity to be glorified in you. He's glorified in us as we serve him. So my closing question is this, and I have two more scriptures that we'll go to, and it'll be real quick. My closing question is this. What are you doing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit God has entrusted you with? What are you doing with the gifts? Because God has gifted all of us. So what are you doing with the gifts that God has placed there? What are you doing with the gifts that God has put in you? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. I don't know normally close with scriptures like this after my closing question, but I want you to look at this. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 14. It's an exhortation from the apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy. When you got to say amen, it says here, it says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. And so the first thing that I, that, that I want you to consider is, are you neglecting the gift that is in you? Are you acting as though it doesn't exist are you acting as though there's no call on you, there's no mandate for you to do something for the glory of God? What are you doing? Are you neglecting it? It's there. God put it there. Maybe it came through the laying on of hands. Maybe it's just something that you know, but God put it there. And so the question is, are you neglecting the gift? The second scripture is right, is right in the next book. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. And I'm just going to read from verse 3. And we'll read down and we'll get there. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as, with the, as, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. In verse 6 he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind he says therefore I remind you in verse 6 therefore I remind you to stir up to stir up or to fan into flame it's the idea of that fire that is that was once there and you know, whenever you wanna, whenever, whenever you want a fire to burn, like if you're outside outdoors one day for some reason and you are trying to start a fire, you will need some kind of some kind of oxygen to go into that fire in order to get that fire to burn. And if the fire starts to die, you know what you can do besides adding, there's a couple of components. You can't just blow on ashes. Hello. So you gotta add something that's gonna burn there. And that's, you know, God supplies that. But there's a thing for us that we have to say, you know what, God, I want to be used by you. I want to be used by you to bring glory to your name. I want to be used by you to bring edification to my brothers and sisters. I want to be used by you. And so my question is, what are you doing with the gift that's in you? See, here's the deal. The first thing is, have you received the gift of salvation? Have you put your faith in Jesus? That's the first question. The second question is, if you say, yes, I have, then the second question for, you, for, for me is, what are you doing with the gift? 
where is it that God has called you to serve? Last week, I think it was, I asked the people that were serving to stand up, and, and, and more than half of the church stood up because they're all serving in places, and I thank God for that. But if there's half of the church stood up that's serving, there's still half the church that was sitting. And it's not to guilt you into serving, because I don't want you to serve for guilt. I want you to serve because you're grateful for the gospel. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let's pray together. I know that I know that there's reasons, there's, there, there's some excuses that we have sometimes that we don't serve because we're hurt, we don't serve because we're disappointed, we don't serve, and we can go down the list. But today, grab your neighbor's hand, please. I want you to pray for them. You may be, you may be praying for someone that's serving already. You might be praying for strength for them. If you know that because you know that they're serving, pray for them for strength, that they'd be strengthened in their service, that they won't, that they won't quit, that they won't give up, that they won't allow weariness to hinder them, but that they will go forward. Maybe you're, maybe you're, you're, you're praying for someone that is hurting, their heart's broken. They're not serving because of a bunch of different reasons. Maybe you're praying for their healing right now. You could be praying for someone next to you that needs the gift of salvation, that wants to make a commitment to Christ today. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you today, Lord God, because we know that you brought us here with a purpose. We know that you brought us here with a desire, Lord God, and that's to speak to our hearts, to remind us, Lord God, of what you have deposited within us. And so, God, in this place today, I lift up my brothers, I lift up my sisters, and I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in each and every one of their hearts. Lord God, I pray for those, Lord God, that have been hurt by ministry, that have been hurt by ministers, Lord God, that might be on the brink of burnout, that might be frustrated and struggling, Lord God, to give themselves to the use of their gifts. Today, Lord God, I pray that that hurt would cease, my God. Today, I pray that healing power would be released. Today, I pray that those excuses would be silenced. Today, I pray that you would break off of them, Lord God, those strongholds in their mind. And Lord, I ask you that you would liberate them to be able to serve you faithfully, God. I pray that today they would say yes to you and no to the reasons why. And Lord God, that they would begin a fresh walk of service in your kingdom and for your glory, God. Father, I pray today for those in this place that are serving, my God. I pray, Lord God, for those that are weary, Lord God, that, that have their hands to the plow, but Lord God, are, are struggling, my God. Father, strengthen them, Lord God, in their service today. Father God, I pray that the words that came out of my mouth for them were life, Lord God, were breath, were hope, my God, and that they would realize, dear Lord, that they have been empowered for service, my God. Then, and I pray that they would serve based on the ability. I pray that they would experience supernatural endurance, my God. I pray that you would give them wisdom and that you would give them the fight, my Lord, not to give in, Lord God, to the pressure that the enemy would try to cause them to quit, my God. Father, and I pray that none of us would serve because of guilt. I pray that we would serve because we're grateful for what you did for us and that we're burdened for your people, God, and for those who don't know you. And lastly, Father, we just pray for anyone in this place that does not know you. Father, we don't know the hearts of men. You do. And so, God, while there may be people that seem like they know you, they put on their Sunday best to walk in these doors. Lord, they may not know you today, and I just pray that they would come to faith in you today. I pray for those that may be, Lord God, harden their hearts toward you today. Father God, may you break down the barriers in their hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your love would flood their lives and that they would begin to serve you with all of their life, with all of their soul. Today, let it be so. Lord, I pray this, and I thank you for this. In Jesus' great name, someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy.